Welcome to Provision in the Thicket, a podcast from Provision Church in Monroe, North Carolina, where we apply the provision of God's Word to everyday cultural and theological questions. This is your host, Cole. Thanks for joining us. Hey church, Cole here, one of the college residents at Provision. And in this podcast episode, we are actually going to be working from our sermon series that we've been going through on Sunday morning. So in the life of our church, we have been going through a series on prayer called Devoted to Prayer. And we have been taking the Lord's Prayer line by line, really diving deep into what it means to pray like Jesus taught us. So in in this podcast, I want to take us through uh the Lord's Prayer line by line as well. And I I want it to be a bit different, though, than what we have on Sunday mornings. Really, Sunday mornings are an explanation of each line. In these podcasts, I want to equip us to pray as Jesus taught. And how we're going to do that is to use Scripture to pray. And so the goal of this episode uh, is to be a practical tool. It just says this podcast is meant to be a practical tool so that throughout our weeks as Provision Church, we can do the word and not just be hearers of the word on Sunday mornings, but to be doers of the word as well. So that's how we're going to start. Ryan mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago that the Lord's Prayer is not meant to be a formula, meaning that if you just pray this in in a rote way, maybe just say the words exactly how you're meant to, that is like a genie in the bottle where it's all going to go well and, you know, your life is going to be great because <laughs> you prayed the Lord's Prayer. It's not meant to be a formula that produces a result that's uh, anticipated. Rather, it's meant to be a structure, meaning that our prayer life should be built on and modeled after what Jesus is teaching us to pray. And so this really draws out the beauty of the Lord's Prayer when we start to recognize that it's meant to be our life, um, the, these verses, this prayer is meant to be what we as Christians praise God for, thank God for, ask God for, and um, you know, plead with God for. So we're going to start in verse 9, and we're just going to go verse by verse. We're not going to make it complicated. So we're going to start in verse 9 of Matthew 6. Let's listen to what Jesus says about prayer. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So let's just take those first two phrases and really dive deep in what it means to pray over those things and pray this prayer. So Jesus says to pray like this, our Father in heaven. So let's stop right there. Jesus calls us to call upon God as our Father. So we have to understand two things first about um, what it means that God is our Father. First, Jesus constantly refers to God as his Father, and in his teaching, he refers to us as children, and in fact, that we are to call upon God as our Father. So we must understand first that Jesus is the perfect Son of God, and that in Him, being the perfect Son of God, that through His death on a cross, by taking our place, by taking our sin and rising to new life, that when we by faith accept what He's done for us and give our lives over to Him, that we become children of God, that we inherit His Sonship, that we are now um, children of our Father in heaven. So first, this this line assumes that you understand salvation, that you have received salvation in your life, that you understand that Jesus has taken your place on a cross and that now you have access to the Heavenly Father. 
But second, really this touches on the doctrine of adoption. And Paul emphasizes this in Ephesians 1 just so plainly. And I I believe that if we understand this, that it will enhance and deepen our prayer lives in such a way that it makes it more worshipful when we understand who God is. So listen to this, Ephesians 1, verse 5. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So listen to that. God planned for you to be adopted to himself through Jesus Christ. It says it's according to the purpose of his will. So if you have received salvation through Jesus, if he has taken your place and you know that and you've been changed through the washing of the Holy Spirit, listen to this, Christian. Nothing can change that, that God has written it in his will that you are adopted, that you are a son. And I think we need to keep that term son because it brings out the context of the first century. That in the first century, the first son, the firstborn received all the inheritance of the father. And so Jesus being the son who came and was the perfect son on our behalf and is the perfect son, now offers that adoption and offers that inheritance to us as well. So when we pray our father in heaven, we need to call upon him as our heavenly father and recognize our identity as children of God, as as sons and daughters of the king. So that when we come to him, first we recognize our positional relationship to him. That you're not praying to some thin air. You're not praying to some genie in a bottle. You're praying to the almighty, omnipotent, omniscient God who is your father. So understand first that your positional relationship to God is is to a father. I'll say that again. We need to understand our positional relationship to God as father. This is how Jesus taught us to pray. And it's what we see in the New Testament when we receive Christ into our lives, we become children of God. So second, let's take the second phrase, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So hallowed be your name. So second, we need to understand the character of God in our prayers. We need to pray back to him, his character. We need to praise him for who he is. And the perfect passage for this is Psalm 103. So let me just read some of these benefits that we have through knowing God. This is what the psalmist says. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And this is where his attributes really come in. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him, for he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. What a beautiful passage about who God is to us, that he is slow to anger, merciful and gracious. You see, we often come to God as if 
is if we don't understand his character and we, we forget the benefits of the gospel, that because we are children of God through Jesus Christ, that all these benefits are ours. Let me just read some more from Ephesians 1 about what it means to be a child of God. It says in verse 7 that in him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Jesus as a plan for the fullness of time. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. (laughs) Do you hear that? That Jesus has given you all these privileges of being a son uh, of God, that you have been adopted into the heavenly kingdom. And so we need to recognize this, that when we pray these lines, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, that we are praying, first of all, in light of the gospel, that we have recognized who we are apart from Christ, our great need for for him and for redemption. But then second, the flip side of of the gospel is the grace that's given to us, that we have been given so much that we don't deserve, forgiveness for all of our sins, cleansing through his blood, an inheritance that will never spoil or fade, adoption that we may know intimately God as our father. Do you hear this? That Jesus is inviting us to pray to our heavenly father our God who loves us and is slow to anger. So go to him as the gospel calls you to. So really, this is just an invitation to preach the gospel to yourself while you pray, to pray back the gospel to to God. And and you might say it like this, God, I know that in your word, um, you've, you've adopted me as a child through Jesus shed blood on my behalf, through him taking my place, God, I can come to you with full access, as Hebrews 4 says, boldly, knowing that you will give me grace, Lord, because your character never changes, that I can come to you right now as I am in need of grace, in need of mercy right now. Lord, I know I'm not perfect, but I know that Jesus was perfect for me and that it's only by him that I can come to you as Father. But Lord, help me to know you more. Help me to know who you are. Help me to hallow your name. May your name be holy in my life, God. Help me to know who you are deeper in my life. Lord, the one thing I ask for, as David says in Psalm 27, that will I seek to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon your beauty, God, and to meditate in your temple. God, that I may know your mercy more in my life, that I may know your grace more in my life. God, help me as you are patient with me to be patient with others. We're going to see, just as I, I just walked through that a little bit, how when we understand our positional identity before God as our Father, that it will change our lives from the inside out. It will change how we view ourselves. It will change how we view others and our in our mission to other people. It will really change our worship because once we know who God is deeper, then we can praise him for who he is, right? If you don't know God, if you don't know who he is, then how can you ever worship him? But as Hebrews 1.1 says that God has revealed himself definitively through Jesus Christ, that Jesus is the exact imprint of his nature, we can know God because of Jesus. And so we can pray back to, to God his characteristics and his attributes and worship him for who he really is. So this is really the beauty in these first two lines is that one, we recognize our positional relationship to God as father through the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we have been made sons and daughters uh, to him uh, through what Jesus has done by taking our place. But then second, we hallow his name. We keep it holy by keeping what he says about himself forefront in our minds. 
that the way we love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind is to pray back to him who he is, to worship him. God, you are gracious. You are slow to anger, rich in love, and merciful in my life. Lord, you hold everything in your hand. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. But Lord, I thank you that you are close to me and you have proven it by sending your son to take my place that I may know you fully and intimately. That God, you've given me your spirit as your presence within me, that as a seal of my inheritance, that one day I'll be with you forever. This is what it means to pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name.